0: So we're going to read together just a couple of verses and then I will share with you a few thoughts as I'm led by the spirit of the living God this morning. So just stand with me and lift your Bibles. We stand for the reading of God's word because he has honored his word above his name. His word, it is living, it is powerful, It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I tell people every day that Genesis to Revelation is enough for you to live and experience everything God has for you without one sermon if you live everything between the pages of Genesis and Revelation everything you need to understand experience walk into believe is written there Jesus said this it is written anything that you need to know it is written there's nothing that needs to be known that is not written In the context of God's word. Amen. This is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are opened, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, one of the reasons why I ask you to take out your Bibles and bring your pens and highlighters is because I want you to take notes. For this scripture. And highlight things. Because there are many things. And I'm guilty of this right. oftentimes when I read scripture. I read it based on what I've heard. More than what I'm seeing. So if I hear a sermon. About a particular thing. So when I read about for example. The prodigal son. I already have some preconceived understanding. That causes me to miss many things. So as we go through and things begin to pop up, you have to highlight them and write them down and record them. If you believe the voice of God is important, then when you believe that God speaks to you, you need to make note of it. Amen? Verse 14 says, again... So the fact that it starts with again, meaning there's a consistent pattern and trend with the teaching. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be... um, um, illustrated. So, in other words, the again, means there was some teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Meaning, what is in this parable is instructing us as to how we are to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. It says so. So, he's illustrating the kingdom so we can understand how to live in the kingdom. Says so the kingdom is illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together. His servants, right? You need to write that down. His servants, they belong to him. And he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. His servants, his money, and he was gone. Verse 15. He gave, right? He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities right he then left on his trip the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money right so the fact that money is used you know where this is going right so the talent it's referring to is referring to money And earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Whose money did he hide? The master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So he returned... Come and say with me. He returned. And they had to give him an account. About what they did. With his money. That he gave them. That's what the scripture says. All those things are very important. In the context of this parable. And so Heavenly Father. We thank you and we bless you. And we come to you. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The name that is above. Every other name. For at the sound of his name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand this morning. We decrease, Almighty God, that you would increase. Lord God, we desire nothing more than for your perfect will to be done and your kingdom come. Remember even uh, the, the instrument player God who had an accident and having some issues with his leg, we pray, oh God, first we thank you that his life was preserved. We thank you. It could have been worse. He could have been dead. The leg could have been broken. But you somehow, for some reason that we can't understand, you kept and preserved him for this time. So we pray, Lord God, that he will continue to be thankful for the preservation of life, and continue to believe as we believe for healing and recovery in the name of Jesus. For anyone else who is sick in this place, Lord God, we pray that the healing virtue of the Lord God Almighty would flow in this building. For those watching and listening online, may they receive a faith prompting that would cause them to believe for their healing in the name of Jesus and receive it, O God. May every eye be open to see your truth and ears be open to hear your voice. May every mind be ready to understand your word and our hearts be ready to receive all, all that you have in store for us. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Now, so let me give you a synopsis of all of this. So, uh... Before we get into the details of it, as we just read. So in this parable, a man was going on a journey. So he called his servants and he divided among them a large sum of money called talents. He gave five talents to a servant. He gave two to one servant and to another one, he gave one. Having distributed the talents, the master went on his journey with the expectation that his servants would be faithful while he was gone. So the whole parable is is the master challenging his servants to display faithfulness. And basically, if there's a theme to it, it would be be faithful while the master is gone. So when the master returns, he will find you being faithful. That makes sense, right? Live faithful so when the master returns, he will find you living faithfully to him. So when the master eventually returned, he called his servants to give an account of their stewardship. Two of the servants were found faithful, returning double the amount that they had been given. The faithful servants were recognized and they were rewarded. The third servant, however, had n- done nothing with what he had been entrusted with. And it created problems for him. So this story is to address us. As Christians... We are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. We are like these servants who are awaiting the return of their master. And this story has some lessons for us about what we are to be doing in the meantime. And it's not rocket science. It's not a treasure hunt. It's very easy. Be faithful stewards. Are be faithful servants. God's expectation is that all the resources that he has given us. And all that we are as people. Must be done and live through faithfulness. Until he returns to take us home with him. So let's look at the principles. I'm going to give you five of them. The first principle of being a steward is to realize that what we have is not ours all right and no many of us we have heard that we know it is true but do we live like we believe it all that we have it's not ours it's not ours it's not ours i want us to remember that it is not whether it's money it's house It's car, it's our lives, it's just not ours. To understand stewardship, you have to also understand ownership. That we own nothing. But because we are a proud people, we want to feel like we own things. And that creates a conflict. God wants us to understand that as citizens of the kingdom, you need not own anything. You need to just steward things. He is the owner. But we as people living in a fallen state. Believe that to be good and to live good. And to be seen as good in people's eyes. We must own things. So we like to claim ownership. While Jesus Christ never taught in the scripture ownership. He taught stewardship. So it's a contradiction. Because we want ownership. When the king of our kingdom. Wants us to live in stewardship. And therein lies our problem. We own nothing. The fir- verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants. Underline that. And delivered his goods to them. This good, right? Because here's what. The first thing that it declares is that his own servants. Meaning, it's not just that God owned the goods. He owned the people. You realize that? So, my people are owned by my, me, and the goods that they have are given by me. They are my servants. He says, His servants. He didn't call somebody a servant he called his servants, watch it. what these servants were given was not their own, it still belonged to the master, it is called his goods and considered his property, the job was to manage what they were given and that's our job, to manage what we have been given so we must remember that everything we have belongs to God and all that we are belongs to him, Psalm 24 verse 1 says it right it says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness the world and those who dwell therein you belong to god and if you don't belong to yourself if you don't own you then anything you own don't belong to you it belongs to the person who owns you so when a slave lives in his master's house and his master gives him a cup it is the master's cup not the slave's cup the slave is just using it Until the master wants it back. So first you have to understand. That listen. I am owned by God. And therefore all that I own. Belongs to God. The world and all that is in it. Haggai 2 verse 8 says. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine. Says the Lord of hosts. Come on tell the neighbor. You don't owe nothing. Come on, come on, just look at them and say, listen, you need, you need to stop hype. Come on, come on, listen, stop hype. Stop, come on, seriously, stop hype. You don't owe nothing. It all belong to Jesus. Listen, if, if we live like that, you know that a lot of pride is destroyed. Listen, all of us who are borrowing money, you know, you know what we do? We borrow money to buy things. Right? That really some of us don't even like to impress people who really don't even like us. Everything belongs to God. And until we recognize this truth, we will not be good managers of what we have been entrusted with. If you don't understand that it belongs to God, you're going to be a poor steward. As long as you struggle with ownership, you're going to have a battle with stewardship. I'm going to show you the danger in that when we get to the end. In fact, the biblical word for our position is steward. God wants us to be faithful stewards. In other words, it is not your time. It is not your money. It is not your abilities. Come on, tell a neighbor. It is not your time. It's not your money. It's not your ability. I know some of you still don't believe it, you know, because you love some of my money. So let me help you with the time part because I am not touch your money no, because I don't want you to get vexed. Let me, let me deal with the time because people love hear about time but they don't like to hear about money. So let's deal with time. Have you ever heard somebody say when it come on to the things of God, I don't, have, don't, I don't have time. I am busy. So if the time belongs to God how can you not have His time to give back to him? You know why? Because I think the time is your time to use. Not not God's time to manage. The time that we have been given is God's time. And if God demands two hours on a Sunday, it's God's time. If it's four hours, it is his to take, not ours to keep, and to use for our own personal benefit. The same concept we have about money is the same concept we ought to have about our time. If it belongs to God, then when God requires it, he must receive it. Everything we have is on loan from God. We own nothing. So what we have is not our own. The second principle of being a steward is to realize we are given all that we can handle. We are given all that we can handle. If you don't get it from God, it means that you can't handle it. Alright? And if Listen, and if you take it from somewhere else, instead of you handling it, it will begin to handle you. So if God ain't giving you it, you don't need it. Because God is rolling it because you can't handle it. So I have a new word for you. You have to understand your handleability. It's not everything you have the ability to handle. And we need to get this concept because too often we want what other people have. But we can't handle what other people go through. Right? So the next time when you see somebody with something, it's because they can handle it. And you don't have it because you can't handle it. You think you can, but you can't. Because every time God gives according to the scripture, he gives according to ability to manage. So let me break it down for you, right? And to one, the scripture said, He gave. Right? To one, what? He gave five talents. To another, Two to another one. To each. Come on say it with me. To each according to his own ability. The master knew the ability of each of the servants. He knew what they can handle. Come on tell the neighbor. God knows what you can handle. Come on now. I said it in the first service, but people, people, people didn't want to say it. Because I guess male was sitting beside me. I tell people, listen, you see this? You can't handle it. You see somebody's husband or somebody wife? Leave them. Because if you could manage them, then you'd have them. The reason why you don't have them is, trust me, you can't handle them. People, let me tell you this. You can't, come on, tell a neighbor you can't handle this. Because if you had to go through what I went through to be where I am at, you'd realize that you can't handle it. Because all you're seeing, you're seeing the up here, you're not seeing the down here. Because God is going to give you what you can handle. And everybody, if you preach, not everybody's supposed to sing, not everyone's supposed to prophesy because we can't handle it. He gives according to ability. So, he, the master, knew the nature of the servants, so that is why he could give five and two and one because he knew. You can handle this, you can handle this, and you can handle this. Therefore, even though the amounts are different, the responsibility remains the same because everybody was supposed to operate at a particular level. I give you what you need to operate at the level you need to operate. So you can't fail. You're not supposed to fail because what God gives you, you can handle. (laughs) come on that's that's good listen let me say it again you're not built to fail because God is not going to give you what he has not equipped you to manage and handle But, but the parable has been very confusing right because of the word talents that is used in the King James version because to us the word talent means ability like to sing or to dance and those things but in the original Greek language, the word talenton is the actual word it comes from. T-A-L-E-N-T-O-N. Talent on. That's the word. And that word refers to a huge sum of money. Now, when we read it, many of us never got the real revelation because we think 5 2 one, one. I'm going to help you to understand What we're talking about in monetary value at the time. Alright? So the value of the talent is depending on whether it was of copper, silver, or gold. Some translation said they got bags of silver each. So we understand then that the talent was equivalent to silver. Because because he had gold talent, silver talent, and copper talent. They didn't get gold, they got silver talent. Alright, so the commentator says, and this is, a talent is 6,000 denarii, which is uh, the plural, because the singular is denarius. You see that in the scriptures many times. And it is what a man would earn in one day. So 6,000 denarii would be 20 years income. Alright? Some of you still don't understand because it it doesn't make no sense. And we understand what's happening. So to put it in today's term or economical terms, a talent would be equivalent to about 300,000 US dollars. Alright, so 3,000 times 150 is 45 million. So the man who got one talent got 45 million Jamaican dollars. The man that got two then got 90. The man that got five, let's do the calculation: five, four, 20, five, five, 25, five, carry two, five, four, 20, 225. Right, amen. 225 million, 90 million, and 45 million. How much you would be happy if you get 45 million right now? <laughs> you, hallelujah. I mean, Jesus, I don't matter. I don't think I'm going to Give me A, B, or C, don't matter. Anyone? <laughs> right? Right? So, so, we're not talking about some meager sum. 45 million. One got 90, one got 225. According to their ability, God knew that the man who got the one could only manage that amount. And you're going to see that he could only manage that amount. So sometimes there's some people with money because God knows them can manage it better than you. You don't need more PNL, you need to be a better steward. Because increase comes when the master returns and says, Well done you have been faithful. So now that you have managed a thousand dollars, we're going to move it to ten thousand. But right now, you're living at thousand dollar levels. If you want more money, lift your levels. If if you want more talent, lift your levels. Because when your stewardship increases, watch this, watch this, watch this, the faith and the blessing also increases. Watch it. So, we also find It's a bit disconcerting that each of the servants in the story did not get an equal amount. That's what many of us would say. Why God never give all of them the same amount? No, 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 no. Listen, people believe, you know the Bible don't call God fear? Call him just and righteous and all these things. Because many of us believe to be fear is to give everybody the same thing. That's being unfair. Because some people can't manage some things. So everyone can't be treated the same way and given the same things. That is why some of us don't get car yet. Yeah, that is why some of us do not married yet. Amen? That is why you have a good gift but you don't get no position yet. That is why you don't get the money yet, you know. You ever hear some people have begged for some things? Boy, if we just get a work. The servant got good, 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 good. But if we get a work, me and tell me just want a work now. I'm life set. The moment they get the work, church go through the door and work enter in. So follow me. So the master gave to one servant five to one, two, and to the other one. Uh, So, it's not fair. But we have to realize that the master knew his servants. He gave to them according to their own ability. So, our job is not to complain if someone has been given more than us. Our job is to make the most out of what we have been given. So, if we cannot be a Moses, we can be an Aaron. You may not be gifted Uh, as the apostle Paul but you can be amongst those unnamed saints who ministered to him from their substance. So the master gave the first servant five and the second one two and the first one that right? Even though there's a big difference between the five talents and the one, the man who received one was still entrusted with a huge sum of money. It wasn't a little thing. So listen, even though He didn't get as much as the first one. It was still a lot. It shows that the master was correct in his assessment, you know. Because the scripture said: Then he who had received five went on and traded with them and made five more. The one who had two, right, gained two more. Verse 18: But he who had received one, Went and dug in the ground and hid. I like this part, it says, hid the Lord's money. In other words, he buried the Lord's blessings, he buried the Lord's favor. Two went to work, and look what happened. The other one, uh, uh, the other one, listen, the other one went and buried. What God had given him. It it says to me that the master was right. Imagine if he had gotten five. Right? Think about it. Because it's in the scripture. So the master's assessment of where we are is always right. He knows our exact ability. Why? Because it panned out the same way the master perceived it. You are the kind of servant who is unfaithful. It means that listen, one in every three person, when the master return, will be found unfaithful. If you go by this parable, so let's go. All right, uh, which side should I start? Where you want me to start the counting? You have to start over here. <laughs> so every time, every time I get to number three, you are the one. Right? That, this is just for the example. Don't take it serious. I'll go over here. So one, two, three, unfaithful. One, two. Three unfaithful one two 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 three one, two, 3, unf- hey, yes, sir, yes sir, one two hey 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 almost followed past I have to stop right there but but, but 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 what's the point I'm making in every three There will be two faithful and one unfaithful servant. Man went and buried what God had blessed him with. Buried his blessing. Buried his gifting. Buried what would have increased him in life. You're going to see why. So we are given all we can handle. The third principle of being a steward is to realize that we will be accountable for what we have done with what we have been given. One day you will have to give an account. It says after a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The Lord is coming back. To settle account with you. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, the Lord is coming back. To settle account with you. Ask them, are you preparing the accounts? Uh, th- that is the problem. Let me ask you, i show you what, what the problem How many of you believe that the Lord is coming back? How many of you are preparing for the Lord's coming back? How many are you already? Hallelujah. Because he's coming back. Hear what it he says: After a long time, it is saying that it may seem like it's long, but notice for sure, he's going to come back to check up on what He left you with, not just the resources, but your life, because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So he's coming back to give, for you to give an account. Let me tell you how you know this, right? Remember when he came, all of them spoke to him. Here's, what, here's a test run. When you go home, ask one of your loved one. Listen. Ask me to give you an account of my life. If I ask you right now to come and sit before me and give me an account of what you have done with your life, what would that sound like? When it comes on to auditing, it's like auditing, right? companies get audited because they prepare their accounts. Sometimes they don't know the precise date of the audit. So what they have to do is to be ready and even the people who are keeping the best accounts sometimes are worried about the auditors because they always think, I wonder if they're going to find something off with the books. So here's what, you have to keep working at it. Keep preparing. So a way to do that is go home and say, listen, let me give you an account of my life. A true assessment of my life. It says He came and settled an account. In fact, Romans says it very well. In, in Romans 14 verse 12, the apostle Paul says, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Every person one day will have to go before God and tell God about them life. Here is what I was doing in 2022. And I hope you don't go before God and say, boy, me tell God, me really should I do some more now. But me did lazy. Or, you see the time we give me, me never have enough time. Or, you know better yet, boy, am not ready. Me just never did ready. Wouldn't it be a shame to be unprepared? When we give this account, accounting. First John 2 verse 8 says. And now little children abide in him. That when he appears. We may have confidence. And not be ashamed before him. At his coming. In other words you mustn't be ashamed. You must stand proud and say boy Jesus listen. I've been serving you. And no well I didn't get saved. But from that day. Lord I have obeyed you. Yes, I made some mistakes, and I know you're fucking. But Lord God Almighty, I thank you, Jesus. Listen, I was serving. You gave me the gift, and I was using it. God, you gave me the ability to sing. I was singing. You blessed me with financial resources as a helping people. You gave me wisdom, and I was using it. Listen, you begin to give God an account. All of us will have to give an account of our life before God. Can you imagine? But but let, 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 let's move on. Right, number four. We will be accountable for what we have done with what we have been given. The fourth principle is this what we do with what we have been given reveals our view of God. How you see God is how you relate to God. How you view God determines your relationship with God. how you view God's blessings, how you view God determines how you treat his blessings, how you steward the things that God has given you. So there are a couple of reports in this whole story. The report of the first two servants and there's a report of the third servant. The first two servants in verse 20 to 23 and between them both they use 32 words in total. The first one used 16, the second one used 16. You can count them in your Bibles depending on which translation. So it says, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, so he started out with 225 million, he brought back 450 million. Right? Amen? That's how you calculate right? 225 plus 225, 450. 450 million. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Look look at these words, underline them. You were faithful over a few things. Have you ever seen that? That the man had 450 million dollars managing. And God says, few things. That's nothing. He says, now that you have been good in handling this small amount that we believe is a big amount. Amen? Because ha- close to half a billion dollars is a whole lot of money. The Lord says to him, that's not nothing. It's nothing. So, but now that you have managed the little well, he says, I will make you ruler over many things. He was good with few the lord said many now imagine with me that god's few things is 425 million you can imagine what his many things are begin to understand that because then you'll understand the need to be a faithful steward not only that so he rewarded him but he gave him a promise he says enter into the joy of your lord in other words, you know the scripture says in John, it is will, it is his will that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prosper. It, you know, the scripture also says, listen, the blessings of the Lord makes one rich and add no sorrow with it. In other words, he's saying that now that you have done so well, you're gonna get many things and you're gonna have joy. He also he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents. Right? So from, from, from he had 90? 90? 90, 90, right? 45 and 45, 90. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So first of all, both of the first two servants, they received the master's praise the Lord praised him and said, well done. Good and faithful servant. This parable was never about testing the character of the master. It was testing the character of the servants. And, and these servants passed the test. Tell the neighbor, say, don't fail the test. He says, well done. Good and faithful servant. See, there are many Out there that have this common notion that every Christian will hear well done when they get to heaven. I don't believe that that is true. I do not think that Jesus will say well done unless we have done well. Secondly, both received the promise. He says I will make you a ruler and both servants are invited to enter into the joy of the Lord. Their faithful stewardship. Caused them to enter into the promise of the Lord. Of even more. Ruling and leading. And if you go back to the beginning. The scripture says. That you shall have dominion. And subdue. What it is teaching. Is that there is a restoration. Of the dominion and authority. Rule and reign and be steward over the garden of God. The servants of the Lord who are faithful. In the same way, Adam had dominion as he rule. Remember that word rule was used in Genesis. Right? You shall have dominion, you shall rule over. Right? You, 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 he blessed them. Right? Be fruitful and multiply, subdue, rule Adam and Eve, right? So there is a restoration of the Genesis order when we begin to act as faithful stewards of the things of God. It says, enter into the joy of the Lord. I think that it is worthy of noticing that although we may think that the amount entrusted to these servants is immense, the Lord count it only as being faithful over a few things. But look, let's look at verse 24 to 25. Because then, the third servant's report is made. Remember, it is about testing and talking about the character of the servants, right? The character of the servant. Are you faithful or not? Look at verse 24 with me. Remember, 16 words were used. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said. Let me just say this. All right, turn to your neighbor with me and say to them, Watch your mouth. Because your mouth will mess you up. Watch this, watch this, verse 24. Master, I knew you were a harsh man. The, the parable is about the character of the servants. This servant starts out talking about the character of the master. Says, harvesting crops you didn't plant, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. In other words, you're not a fair person, you know. You're harsh. A person just gave you $45 million, and when they return to you, you said to them, You're a wicked man, you know. You ask the things we don't give. You remember how the story started? A man was on a journey and he gave. Th- these servants begin by saying that, listen, you don't normally give nothing to nobody, you know. You just take up when you plant. This is the same person that had just received 45 million. Looking at the person who gave them and instead of being thankful and grateful begins to say you are not a good person. have you ever been there where God has blessed you so much and the utterance of your mouth is God, where were you when I was hungry? Where were you when I was struggling to pay the school fee? He goes on and he says, see how long I'm talking? talk too much that was part of his problem says i was so he he speaks of the master's character though he wasn't asked any question he says i was afraid i would lose your money so i hid it in the earth look here's your money back in other words hey hey listen as uh, a good thing he wasn't jamaican because if he buried the money there in a jamaican he come back he'd all the whole gone I'm telling you. He, he must be happy that he didn't. He, 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 this never happened in Jamaica. It never happened in Jamaica. They, they found it. The man said, listen, I was afraid, so I buried the money. I'm thinking to myself, you buried the money? That was so unsafe. But We're going to break it down. But the master replied, look at this. You wicked and lazy servant. Now when I read this, I've read this so many times but I'm beginning to understand it. Right? He did work. Didn't he? Because he dug a hole. His work is described. The other's work was not described. He just said they invested the money. We don't know how. We don't know what kind of investment. We know that it was a long time and they did investment. All he did was dug a hole. How long it took to dig a hole? A 45 million dollars. So it probably take a week. Let's give him a week, you know. Because (laughs) 45 million now is probably a week. I don't know. Right, right? But whatever he did, the master was away for a long time. And he worked for one week. And did what? Nothing for the rest of the time. I want you you get that? Like, it's called, do it fast and done. master said, you're lazy and wicked. If, if, he says, if I knew, if you knew, I harvested crop and didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate. If you really believe that then, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on in it. Then he ordered that they take the money from this servant and give it. Let's just break this down for you, right? So here it is. The true character of the third servant was revealed as he opened his mouth. I wanted to notice that the third servant talked more than the other two combined. First servant used a mere 16 words, each to report their gains, but the lazy servant used 51 words in an attempt to justify why he had done nothing. The servant that had been given the one talent hid the money and returned the entire amount to the master. He hadn't lost it or spent it it was all there but the master was furious furious so we are surprised many of us thinking why this sort of response it is clear people that they knew the master's expectation of them that is why the master didn't give any do you realize the master didn't give them instruction he just gave them he gave them talents so their relationship with the master would have helped them to understand the expectations of the master. How you relate to God determines what you expect or your expectations of God. It also helps to understand what does God require of me. The others knew that when the master gave them money, there was an expectation. There's an expectation that I give my master a return. The other one had such a poor and unhealthy view of God that, I, that he think like, listen, if I do anything wrong, he's probably going to kill me. So let's do nothing at all. But also, the culture was important because bearing valuables was a common accepted way of protecting your possession in the culture. So to the listener of the day, the third uh, uh, servant or steward was behaving properly and responsibly. To them, the other two stewards acted recklessly. To attain that kind of return would have taken high risk on the investment. But they were willing to step out in faith, so they were found to be faithful. In fact... A. W. Towser was right when he said that what we think about God is the most important thing about us. If we view God, view God as a tyrant, then we will filter everything through this lens. So some of us may be secretly angry with God because we think he did something or didn't do something that we think he should have done. And as a result, our view of him is twisted. Our preconceived notions prevent us from seeing him as a God of grace and as a result we refuse to serve him with what we have been given because our views are skewed so what happened to him he had a faulty view of God and this led to what I call the blame game the first words of the third servant's mouth were designed to deflect the blame lord I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered he began to blame god he says i always knew that you were a hard man he revealed that he saw his thoughts of the master as a harsh and hard person he was just looking the master was just looking for an opportunity to punish people that was his view unfortunately though that is exactly how many people view god today they don't see God as the loving heavenly father portrayed in the parable of the prodigal son. They see him as a hard-hearted heavenly father. Notice the master's response to the man. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I kept that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. The master is not agreeing with him saying, yes, that is how I am. He's simply saying, if that's what you thought of me, all right then, why didn't you act on the basis of what you believe? Because even though you believe that your action don't depict that you behave in based on your belief. Because if you think me harsh, you hide it, suppose you lose it. You know, but you put in the you in a safer. That's what the master said to him. The master is saying to him, You're just blaming somebody else. Because really and truly, if you believe that I'm that harsh, you'd put it in the safest place. you put it in the bank. (laughs) The problem is that the man never intended to act as his servant. He was pretending to be... But he was not. The master accused him of being wicked. The word means evil, hurtful and malicious. The third servant deliberately misrepresented both his master and himself. In other words... His description of the master was wrong, and his attitude was also wrong. Instead of owning up to his guilt, he behaves as if the master should have given him credit for being so cautious. You know, like, like Jesus Jesus come and say, "Hey, why me? know say so I never go to church more than more once in a while, you know. But me thank you still because at least you come to church sometime. Big up yourself. Big up yourself. What do you mean, man?" When I mean, anyway you see read your Bible, you know, but every now and then you know, you understand me. That read one and two scripture, you know, and, and you know Psalm one hundred. Big up yourself, eh? Big, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who believe that God's supposed to be glad that them come to church. You no, know? what you mean? What you mean? What you mean? Glad, God, God must glad for see me. Yeah? What you mean? Once a year, you know, most happy right you know? you know what? People no come to church. At least me come Christmas Eve, and well, New Year's Eve. God most happy. How empty man, Jesus, Jesus! hold that. At least you get four service a year. Many people operate like that. It also led to fear. The third servant said, "And I was afraid, because an improper view of God always leads to fear." His fear became an excuse for his failure. To even attempt anything for the master. This, 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 the, the parable was a matter of faithfulness. And the man was operating in fear. You can't walk in fear and walk in faith. Let me say it to you again. You can't walk in fear and walk in faith at the same time. If you're walking in fear, you can't be faithful. And when you're faithful, you have no reason to fear. How do I relinquish fear from my life? Understand that I belong to the Lord and everything I have. So somebody said to me, what if you lose your money? I have no fear because it don't belong to me. What if they kick you out of your house? Well, if they kick me out, Jesus gets kicked out too. Well, what if you lose your car? Well, Jesus and me are going to walk. I have no fear. So I can walk in faith. God would rather you attempt something great for him and fail than to have never attempted anything. At all. So, what we do with what we have been given reveals our view of God. And finally, the fifth principle of a steward is to realize what we do with what we have been given has benefits beyond this life. I think this is the saddest part of this story. This is the most brutal part. Because it started out with money. And ended up in hell. Can you imagine? Started out with some money, and ended up at the end of the story about hell. Have you ever seen that in a Bible? Look to the end of it, verse twenty-eight. Here's the first thing that happened. This is good, right? In it, right? So take the talent from him. Meaning the one who had won. And do what with it? Give it to him who has what? This is big, right? This is, this, this is Bible study. Couple of things you need to understand. The man who was unfaithful lost what he had to the man who was faithful. He started out with five. Right? Ended up with ten. So we said that was 450. Then he got what? 45 more. Which is 495 million. 5 million less. Than half a billion. And the many don't get in it yet. That the scripture promises. So what. The unfaithful man had he lost. To the man who was faithful. But here is the big principle. Do you realize church. Is that. The master didn't take back anything. no 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 no. you you got that right he didn't take back anything at all it wasn't about him coming back to take it it was coming back to check how you manage it so he could leave you with more come on come on get that the lord isn't coming back to take back the stuff he's coming back to check on your management so he can give you more to manage and if you haven't managed it Then it's going to be given to those who are managed it well. So a man who had ten. He got all ten. So the scripture said, Give it to him who has ten. You know, he could have said, give it to him who had ten. But he still had it. Because he would have kept the ten. The one who had the two, who got two more, was going to keep the four. The only one who lost was the one who was unfaithful. Come on, tell a neighbor. You can't afford to be unfaithful. Then, verse 29 says this. I don't know if you have ever heard people say this, that the richer get richer, and the poorer get poorer. I'm going to show you this in scripture to understand something. Verse 29 says, For to everyone who has more will be going be given. Watcha, out, watch out. What what kind of God this? How you fear give people you have more and more? Welcome to the people them didn't you are suffering. No, not true, not, not not true. Give the people them who don't have nothing something. How you fear give the people them have a lot more? Says watch What watch this, watch this. Here, here's the worst part. Here's the good part. And he will have what? Abundance. But f- From him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Hold on. So why would you take from the man when I have nothing and give the man who have things? It's not about the things. It's about faithfulness. It wasn't about the money. It was about the character of the servants. So what this is saying is that the people who are faithful... Will be given more. And they will live in abundance. But the unfaithful. Even the things that they work for. Will be taken away from them. And given to those who are faithful. Have you ever heard the scripture says. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. Y- you know that just in the scripture. That just in the scripture. Is it the what that says. The just shall live by faith. listen, listen, there's a loss that we suffer when we walk in unfaithfulness. But but if that were it, then it would be okay. Well, at least I just think we lose. But we still go ahead and relax and we have the pearly gates and you understand, we have a mansion and the streams that, you understand, we have all of those things. But here's what it says. And cast the unprofitable servant into the utter darkness. And I'm thinking to myself as I went through this, Like how could this story start out with the master giving people talent and end up with one of them ending in hell? How do we move from managing one talent mismanaging it and end up in hell? There will be weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Says to me, That when the master returns. If you are unprofitable. And unfaithful. There are severe consequences. So you must ask yourself. What am I doing. While the master is gone. So as true servants of the Lord. We want to be found serving him. To the limit of our capacity, so that when he returns, we will be found worthy. When the Lord returns, he's going to ask you only one question. And that question is, What have you been doing with yourself? So, what does all of this mean? Mark Trottle has uh, some insightful words in his book on parables. He says, it's like a master on a long journey who is delayed. He entrusted his teachings to his disciples. Some lived by his teachings. Applied them in their daily lives. Invested them, as it were, in the world. Some merely talked about their faith, especially to those who believe the way they did. Sometimes they didn't even do that. They didn't do anything. They buried their faith, saying, after all, religion... Is a private affair it 's a personal matter it 's really between you and God. Religion is to be there when you need it, so it's here, some place buried underneath all this stuff. Of course, I can 't find it right now, but I know it's here someplace. At least I know where to look if I ever need it. That person doesn't fear very well in this parable. It is clear. Where Jesus comes, comes out. Religion, he says, is not to sit on, are buried, are shelved, or canned, are preserved, or even to pass to somebody else. Religion is to invest, use, spread, splurge, and risk. And that's what the Lord is saying in this parable. What I have given you, I expect you to spend it, to use it, to invest it in the world so that the world is a better place because you are here in this world. So this is not about getting some more money. It's about what you're doing with the greatest investment that Jesus has given you. His son Jesus Christ. Have you buried him again? Or are you investing him. In the lives of others. So that when he returns. He can say. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You have led ten to salvation. Now I will make you. Master of many. Come enter. My joy. What are you doing with Jesus? If the master should come and audit your life right now and check on your Jesus status, what will the account of your life be? What will it prove? Because that's what it's really about. Come on, just bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Listen, God desires faithfulness. He desires you to be faithful. Hallelujah. Maybe you have a faulty view of God that causes you to blame him for things or to act in fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear but one of power, love and that of a sound mind. He says, fear not for I am with you. What are you doing with what has been given to you? When it comes on to the things in your life do you know you don't own them? They belong to him and you belong to him also. He's master and we're servants. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord God, to forgive us for being unfaithful steward of your resources. Some of us have claimed ownership instead of acting as stewards. Forgive us, Lord. And maybe that's you this morning and you need to just ask Him to forgive you for not acting as a steward but living like an owner. Lord, forgive us because our view of you has been skewed. We have been led by our fear instead of by faith in you. And we repent this morning. Lord, we want to be like the first two servants who invested what you gave them. And increase what you gave them. And so you moved them from being uh, masters of a few things to masters of many things. And they entered your joy. You declared over them, well done, good and faithful servant. And we pray in the name of Jesus that on that day when you come to, to check up on our account, our lives, that you will say likewise, well done, good and faithful servant. May we not bury Jesus again, but may we invest him and share him and give him to the world so that others will come to know you as Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord God, that even as it comes to finances, when we are faithful stewards of them, you increase us. We declare that our faith will not be like that third servant who was cast into utter darkness. Who was described as being lazy and wicked and unprofitable. May that not be our account. But may it be good and faithful servants. So we thank you Lord. We thank you. Come on with your hand and your chest this morning. Just begin to pray and the so, Lord. I commit to being faithful to you until your return. Faithful with my time. Faithful with my ability. Faithful with my resources. Faithful with the gifts you have given me, Lord. I commit to faithfully serving you. Faithfully living for you. And faithfully using everything that you have given me for your glory. him against the lord i commit to a faithful life right now in jesus name amen and amen and amen come on just put your hands together for jesus hallelujah come on somebody say praise the lord come on say praise the lord come on just stand to your feet and give him a big hand clap as we give him glory and we give him honor and we give him praise amen Listen, I challenge the first I challenge them in the first service for a song. I think they have it now. So um I don't know how it's gonna go right now. Alright, ready?